Welcome to the Growing Together podcast, a show for inspiring conversation and practical steps to help your church become the church where all generations thrive. I'm your host, Justin Koo, and today my guest is Dr. Alan Martin. He's a teaching pastor at Younger Generation Church in Arlington, Texas. As an advocate for young adults, Dr. Martin worked in partnership with the Barron Research Group as a lead research facilitator for the Adventist Millennial Study. He is one of the core leaders of Growing Young Adventists. So one of the statistics that I've, I think most people are surprised with uh, when they are part of this pro- process is, is they learned that something like five out of every 10 young people are leaving the church. Is that accurate, Dr. Allen? Yeah, depending on what study you're looking at, that's a, a fairly, fairly uh, common uh, statistic. And I think that generally speaking, when people hear that, the next follow up question that they have is, is why? Like, why are people leaving the church? And and this, this is probably a, an entire another conversation that would be worth having. But I try to, to turn that question around and, and ask a different question. Rather than asking, why are people leaving? Uh, maybe a more different way, a different way of approaching this question is, well, why are people staying? And that's kind of what I want to talk about in this episode. Um, in your experience, talking to the young people that are still in your church about why they're still there might actually help us understand, well, what are we doing right and how can we continue to do that better? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That, I think that part of the, and, and just so that we're really clear, although we typically like to poke and prod and, and, and cite young people that are leaving the church, attrition or people leaving their church or they're leaving their faith community is something that's happening for all generations. So the Mm. statistics in the Adventist community is about 40% attrition over the past 50 years. So this is not just a phenomena that's happening for young people, but certainly during the the transitional years that happen between your adolescence into your emerging adulthood or your young adult years, these are places where we lose track with one another. So Hmm. to answer your question, I think that part of the real thing that we've found in all of the research, both the ones that we're finding and looking at the problem, and also the exemplar research, which is pointing out best practices, both of them continue to speak towards relationships. Mm -hmm. That's that's interesting. Okay, so I'm kind of pulling back a, a, a step or two. Rather than asking what's keeping young people here, what do young people want? Like, why is that even the question then? If apparently this is a, a, an intergenerational issue about right. people leaving the church, these attrition rates, why is it even worth asking the question, what do young people want specifically? Well, I think it's a great rallying call. And then also, just to be straightforward in regards to the statistics, some of the research finds that the point of departure for many folks comes during the young adult years. So although you do have people that are leaving when they're younger, you know, they're preteens, you know, and typically in that time, you're just following and doing what your parents tell you in regards to church, right? There are people that are leaving as they get older in their adulthood years and their married years and so forth. But the vast, about 60 some odd percent of who leave, what, how old are they when they leave the church is typically in these young adult years. So it is a rallying call to say, hey, um, you know, everything's not fine in the neighborhood as far as um, as far as young adults are are leaving the church and as far as teenagers are leaving the church and also I think it's part of it that uh, <laughs> uh, we have to we have to sound the alarm in regards to this this is not acceptable and so I think mm-hmm. that that's part of the uh, the attraction if you will of citing this statistic as opposed to saying yeah about umpteen percent of our senior citizens are leaving the church um, this is a real heartstring for the church, given the need of our young people for the vibrancy of our local churches and our denomination faith community. 
Yeah, so it's not as though that we're disinterested in when anyone outside of the young adult demographic is leaving the church. You're just saying that this is something that unites all all people's interest. Because if you're a parent, you have young people. Yeah. You're grandparents. Like yeah. there's a, there's generally speaking a tie, uh, as far as an interest level is concerned, to the youth or young adult of your church. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and it's a time of transition, so it's easy enough. And and you don't even have to have statistics. You can go to your local church and you can see the more stable attenders are those that are older adults, right? That have kind of gotten into the regular um, spiritual habits of attending services. And then there's the young families, you know, if you have young families. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, some of our churches don't even have young families, which is a, mm. a, a tragedy that is is unacceptable. Yeah, yeah. I think when most people uh, kind of uh, hypothesize about what young people want, it generally yeah. looks like loud music fog machines coffee in the church things like that there's like a whole caricature of this is yeah. what young people are looking for yeah. and i'm curious how has that caricature measured up when you actually sit down and listen to young people and ask them well what are you looking for what what drives you to the church or drives you away from the church well I, that's part of the beauty of the the research that was done and cited in the book growing young is they actually were able to identify what some of these myths are and so yeah the idea that it's a programmatic element that you have to have contemporary music or it has to be a certain size of church all those are myths to what are the actual things that draw young people uh, draw young families into the very heart of church life and so i think you know one of those things that i, I would want to speak to specifically is this idea of a generation gap in previous generations, it was just basically you understood that there is this generation gap. Young people don't want to have anything to do with older people. Older people don't want to have anything to do with young people. Um, particularly perpetuated during the baby boomers and Gen Gen X um, during those times. But the most current research has shown some uh, some really encouraging elements that today's generations are desperately wanting and seeking out relationship with older people, older hmm. generations, people that have wisdom for a variety of reasons, ranging from being from fractured families to being socially isolated because of the internet and so forth and looking for the experience. There's a variety of reasons, but the most recent generations are really looking for these relationships. And I think that's the biggest aha moment that we can give to some of our church members that have been under the myth of previous generations and the generation gap. Young people are wanting relationships. Yeah. They're wanting an older person to pour into the life. What do you, what do you mean? Because even to myself, I, f I find that to be uh, hard to believe. Yeah. I don't know. Because when I when I see the the young people in my church, which is kind of weird because I, I am absolutely still a young adult, but I'm 30, so I don't <laughs> know that I'm young, young right. in that respect. But when I look at the young people in my church, I don't know. I find it hard to believe that they're really wanting to find like a 40, 50, 60 year old someone to pour into their life. How have you seen that lived out in, in your experience? Well, I, let's just use your illustration here. You're in your 30s and it's, you don't necessarily see you as super old, but to a teenager, you're ancient, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And for you to say, hey, you know what? I'd like to teach you a little bit about, you know, about about production, or I'd like to teach you a little bit about in regards to blogging or video production or, or technology and so forth. You're taking the interest in that teenager, although it maybe at first it may feel a little bit awkward because they're thinking, why is this creeper older guy talking to me? Is this, <laughs> is this really interesting dynamic where they really 
value you pouring into them a bit. I, I, I oftentimes refer to even my own experience. When I was in, in high school, there was a teacher uh, who was my, you know, he was my job supervisor because I was his teaching assistant and so forth. But because I was staying in a boarding academy, anything to get us out of the dormitory was awesome. And so because he was a teacher, he, he would take me uh, to the flea markets. Now imagine this. I'm a dormitory student. I don't have any money. He's a, he works for the church as a teacher, as an educator. He doesn't have any money. And we're going to the flea market where we don't have any money to spend. But as we're, <laughs> but as we're going through the aisles and looking at this knickknack or looking at vinyls, which used to be called LPs, which used to be called records, we're having these conversations. And to this day, that's made an impact on me that an older person would take an interest in me and a even if it's something as trivial as going to the flea market. So, hmm. yeah, I, I think that there is these misnomers and it feels a little counterintuitive. And I, I'm not trying to disavow the idea that we like our own peer group. We like being around our friends of the same age or of the same commonalities. But there is something to be said when a teenager, when they're asked these questions, says, I would really like to have more adults involved in my life. Um, and that speaks to a variety of needs that certainly can be mm. a whole nother podcast. Yeah, well, let's tiptoe a little bit into that. When, when a young person is generally thinking, okay, I need some kind of older mentorship in my life, are there kind of reoccurring categories that seem to come up? Well, I mean, I, I think that, that the answer to that short answer to that is yes. Uh, I think that if you look at any situational comedy or summer, uh, summer teen film, you'll always find this this kind of identifiable theme of a young person looking for that missing father figure or that missing mother mm. figure, right? It's just mm-hmm. wet, it's, it's woven into the storyline of any of these elements. And so I can speak to my own personal experience. During that time when, when I was a high school student, I really benefited from the father-grandfather figure that this teacher provided me and that I was distant from my dad uh, just because of his work demands. And I was raised in an Asian family, so emotions and feelings really wasn't our forte in regards to our conversation. And so it really helped me develop in ways that I couldn't have developed without that older, more experienced person taking a vested and appropriate interest in my life. Hmm. So let, let's say that I'm, I'm one of these older people that's interested in investing in the life of a young person because this is what they're looking for and this is what's really going to be valuable for them. How would you recommend that I kind of initiate that first conversation because you're you're you 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 said as much that it might be awkward that initial time you do it what does that script look like what does it sound like yeah i think that approaching a young person and trying to engage them in a conversation can be super creepy so yeah that would not be the way (laughs) that would not be the way to do it one of the the, okay fair one of the best ways i think to kind of develop and foster these relationships this inter these intergenerational relationships naturally is to have some shared project or activity. One of the best things that we've found is when we do service projects or service initiatives to some um, agency or a short-term mission trip or whatever, when we roll up our sleeves and we're working side by side for the good or the benefit of someone else, conversations Mm. happen, relationships build and bond in ways that we wouldn't even imagine. And it doesn't even have to be like a short-term excursion. I mean, even in like, take for instance, in the media 
um, and audiovisual aspects of your church, if you just take a young protege next to you and you show them how to run the board or whatever, in the effort of doing something for the sake of a cause or a ministry or the mission of your church, you'll find that no matter what age those individuals are, they have that commonality of sharing that experience. And that's where relationships can really start to blossom out of that, that kind of shared rolling up of your sleeves and getting, getting, a, uh, getting a little down and dirty in regards to serving others or fulfilling the mission of the church. Hmm, that's really good. Um, so I'm guessing that as I'm trying to reach out to younger people in my church, that there's going to be some natural relationships that can develop, but also some clear indicators like, no, this one isn't necessarily for me. Maybe there's not enough shared commonality, sure. uh, shared interest in those moments. Are there some kind of dead giveaways, some obvious ones where like, oh yeah, this, it seems like this, this potential friendship, this relationship could blossom into a more meaningful mentorship type of relationship. Are there some obvious keys that you've noticed along the way? Well, I, I, yeah, I, I think that we can overanalyze this, but I think there are people that you hit it off with almost immediately, right? <laughs> there mm -hmm. are people that naturally, even in your peer group, you say, uh, that was a little bit much for me. I mean, I, I respect who they are. They're great as an acquaintance, but I'm not going to take them in as a, as a closer friend. So I do think that there is these, these natural rhythms in our relationships where we say, man, I really hit it off with that person. We really had something in common. And there are other individuals where eh, it didn't, didn't work out exactly how we intended, but I certainly respect where they're coming from. Uh, so I think that understanding intuitively where you are in regards to that is perfectly appropriate. However, I, I do want to challenge older generations. I think there will be a discomfort on your part in regards to reaching, uh, reaching out and creating these spaces where relationships can be fostered. Um, and so I, I really encourage you to kind of step a little bit beyond your comfort zone. But one of the places where I think this is a, a natural place for this type of thing to occur is in sharing meals together. Um, hmm. Young people are always hungry. I have yet to find a college mm -hmm. student that refused to accept a pizza that I ordered, right? And so yeah. so sharing meals together, even if we have a very diverse group or we don't necessarily see everything eye to eye or you know, we come from different political parties or philosophies, um, there's nothing better than sharing a meal together and, and, and to be able yeah. to appreciate your diversity. Yeah, I, I love that. That this actually something maybe is surprising, but I never really actually grew up with that kind of culture in my church. Uh -huh. um, it, I was I, I want to say twenty one years old when I first like my first time ever getting invited to a church member's house for lunch, just yeah. kind of randomly. Yeah. Um, and so the moment it happened, I was like, "Whoa! Like this is kind of cool." And I was in college at the time, so I'm like, yeah. "Heck yeah, I need some food." <laughs> but, uh, my 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 pastor right now at the church that I attend, Pastor Gre Pastor uh, Greg, he has a standing like I don't know rule or commitment or value of his. He's like, "Hey, anytime I'm hanging out and I'm eating with someone who's younger than me, uh -huh. I got their meal." Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, "Oh wow, like that's <laughs> super cool." And and. Uh, funnily enough, like when I first moved to the Portland, Oregon area, mm -hmm. he and I had grabbed coffee a few times and he was like living this, this, this posture out. And, uh, he didn't even know at the time I was actually in the middle of looking for a church. And so we had hang, hung out like maybe four or five different times over the span of a few months right. as I'm church hopping. And finally it comes up in conversations a uh, half a dozen times later. He's like, Oh, 
I assumed you already had a church. And in my mind, I'm like, well, that's kind of curious. Then why are you spending so much time with me if like you didn't even expect me to go to your church? Yeah. And I think that was the, it was it was paradoxical because it was so backwards and so counterintuitive, but it was one of yeah. those postures. I'm like, oh, he's not looking to get something from me. He just genuinely right. wants to connect with me. And it was because of that, I was like, I now want to check out his church and hang yeah. out with him even more. Oh, that's profound. I mean, that, that's, that's the magic of, of relationships that are genuine, genuinely self-serving. Uh, I'm sorry, not self-serving. Genuinely self-sacrificial in regards to your own interest for the benefit of the person that you, you're enjoying hanging out with. Mm. And, and, and no surprise, I mean, this is what we see in the model of Jesus. Jesus spent mm -hmm. time with people, quite literally feeding people and taking care of their needs and, and just hanging out with them. And, you mm -hmm. know, Ellen White, one of our favorite authors, talks about this concept of disinterested benevolence, this yeah. idea of like, you just do good to people without yeah. any expectations, without any like, this is what I'm going to get out of it. And this is what changes people's hearts because this is how God treated us. Yeah. Well, and the flip of that is also true. I think that there's a real benefit to not only be willing to give, but also be able to graciously receive. Um, mm -hmm. So I think generations, generations of young people benefit from learning how to be generous, to mm -hmm. invest themselves in older generations. You know, you hear about the need for reverse mentoring in regards to technology and, and the paradigms of the era that we live in today that senior adults don't understand completely. And I think sometimes yeah. the pride of older generations keeps us from being vulnerable enough to receive help or receive kindness or generosity from a generation that we should be taking care of or, or doing stuff for. And I think that that kind of reciprocal kind of um, opportunity is just a great way to bond together generations. And it's no longer about generations. It's about, it's about pe being people and enjoying the relationships that God's offered us. Beautiful. I love it. Uh, next week, we're going to bring Dr. Allen back again, and we're going to talk about some more, I, don't know, I guess, practical things that we could be doing to create points of contact. We're talking about this idea of intergenerational relationships and hanging out with young people, investing in them in relationships and all these different things. Uh, next week, we'll talk about what does that look like, or at least a couple ideas about it. Yeah. Thanks so much for hanging out with us this week, though. We'll see you guys until then.